As Russ prayed, and some of you know, uh, Rafael Radosha passed on yesterday. Steve Radosha's father and Sarah Radosha's father-in-law, and he had a heart attack on Wednesday, and they were doing everything they could, but uh, it was time to make some decisions, and I was there at the hospital, and it's a difficult time. Um, both Steve and Sarah have lost their fathers in the last two years, so we'll pray for them, and we'll lift them up, and uh, we'll continue to love them. As your pastor always says, most of us want to say something in those situations when we see them. It's better to hold a hand, have a hug if it's appropriate, and listen, right? And we'll pray for grace and mercy, and whatever we're called to do, we'll do. They've already expressed um, wanting to have some sort of service here. If you didn't know, uh, Rafael, he was the one that cooked lamb two years ago on Monday, Thursday. And he showed up last Monday, Thursday, when the lamb was starting to cook, when his son was cooking, and he did the fatherly thing, like, move aside, let that take over. So, so don't be missed. He was a great guy. Uh, he was 100% Italian, uh, and all the goods, and there's no bad to be Italian. Who's Italian here? All the goods and some of the, a little less good, but we'll say it that way, right? So um, he will be missed, and we'll support and minister to them in any way we can. Um, and thank you for reading that scripture, Russ. Thank you for your prayer, but in light of... The news Wednesday and what's happening here, uh, we'll, Matthew 16 won't be the primary, we'll get there, but it's the theme for the sermon. Let me pray. You'll need a Bible or a phone or a smart pad or an internet connection or a digital Bible because we're going to be in Revelation 21. We hit this a bit last week, we hit it a, a bit 18 months ago, but I thought it would be appropriate talking about church. And Matthew 16 talks about that, where Peter, you know says, you're the son of God, Jesus. And he says, good. And on your faith, on people's testimony like yours, my church will raise. And then, just to keep Peter humble, a couple of verses later, Jesus likens Peter to Satan when Peter tries to stop Jesus from going to the cross. So the cross is a big deal with the church. Let me pray, and we'll get into it. Father, help me and help us. We do pray for Steve and Sarah and Lisa and the Rodosha family. Give grace and peace to them today. And as we're called to minister and come alongside, let us do that well. Father, many in this room and many in our extended family have lost loved ones in this past year or two. Continue to bring your healing. Continue to bring your grace and kindness to our weary hearts. And give me the capability to speak the truth today. And Holy Spirit, come and burden us by showing us today through your word what you have done and what you are doing even to the end of the age. Help me now in Jesus' name. Amen. So based on much of your feedback, I will continue to pray because a lot of people said, why don't we look at some of Revelation next year? I shouldn't have made that public because everyone's going to go, yeah, let's study Revelation because that's what we want to do. So I'm praying and help me continue to communicate if last week was any indication and you gained some insight from the Lord or what might be or what might not. We could possibly look at that after Advent, January, in the spring, before Easter season next year. Maybe um, a small series on Revelation because I read a, some good wisdom. If you teach Revelation too long, you're going to screw up. So a nice, concise, you know... Six week, eight week, somewhere in there, we can get into it and figure some things out. We're not going to know everything, but we will be in Revelation for a bit today, and uh, we're talking about this very building, the church. We know the church is what? More than a building. That's clear. Many of us have traveled. I've seen churches done under mango trees, palm trees, in buildings like ours. 
and all over, but the church has many metaphors in the scriptures. We'll look at one later, but let's talk about the church. As Russ said, this church has been here since 1944, right? 55. Well, the sanctuary. Yeah, but 44. Yeah. Long time ago, uh, right before World War II was going to end. That's when this church was established. If you're not familiar with the Baptist churches in the Bay Area, they started a bit north and kind of trickled down. And there's lots of history and lots of faithful stewards. And as you know, since you're not sitting in pews, we are taking the time this month to take out this tile, redo our floor, and get new seating. That doesn't necessarily change our church in a spiritual way, but what the leadership wanted to do was... Get rid of the asbestos. Interesting enough, Steve's father was the first one that said, I think you have asbestos because he was a handyman. And uh, that started about a year and a half ago, and it's, it's culminating. And we're going to do some polished concrete on the floor. And Alex Alanius, still good? Comfortable? Brilliant. Really good. She's in the seat over there, so those are coming on the 21st. Same model, same design, different color. It's going to be more gray. And we will look forward into being faithful for generations to come. And one of the nice things about the portable seating is we can clear this room and we can do different things as a church, as a local body to serve the community, and we can have um, lots of fun too and do many different things. With that being said, I appreciate the Russia's prayer because this spot that I'm standing in that you are seated in has been a spot consecrated to worshiping the Lord, which is the most important thing we can do. To marriages, some people in this room, I believe, which is an amazing thing. And as we are experiencing now with um, the passing of someone close to our body, with memorial services and funerals, this very spot. And those are sacred moments. When I was asked to go to the hospital yesterday, it's always like, oh man, like, not that I don't want to go, but it's just like, ooh. But you enter in, and God always meets me in those situations. For those of you who have done visitation ministry before, you're always met by the Holy Spirit. They could attest in others. You show up, and in my flaws and foibles, God is gracious, and I was allowed and privileged to spend time with someone in their waning moments. It's, a, it's an honor. It's sacred ground. And that's what this sanctuary has been for many years. And we want to continue for it to be. As I mentioned last week, the book of Revelation kind of gets a bad rap. Because we as people, all of us, and we as Americans, most of us, tend to gravitate towards violence and destruction. If you're not believing me, Google top 10 movies the last four years, and I'm going to put Dave on blast, but top 10 video games the last 10 years. We have, a, we have an insatiable appetite with domination and destruction of people. It's human beings. John Pham jokes with me, but it started that way with Cain way back when, remember? What did Cain do? I don't like you. I don't really want to talk it out. I'm going to get rid of you. And it has moved that way, I would argue, even in the Old Testament until Jesus Christ came. Not what? You're going to get it eventually, so will I. Not on a war horse to Jerusalem, but on a what? A peace donkey. He said... Violence and domination can be done if you want it to end. It can be done because I'm going to a violent place 
And I will be dominated by sin and despair and wrath. And I will lay my life down. I will raise from the dead. And then it's on you whether to follow my way or the world's way. And one of the reasons Revelation gets a bad rap is because many people who don't believe in Jesus' way label it. And I'm not going to say hijack it. But do different things to it because some of the things we learned last week, the metaphors, the dragons, the beasts, all these crazy word pictures. But as we go through, Lord willing, next year, we'll try and see that it's more comical than bloodthirsty. The book of Revelation. Again, this guy John wrote to critique empire, probably mainly the Roman Empire. And he does write in such a way where it's a big church theological word. Some of you know it. He writes in an eschatological way. Talking about what's to come. The end times. He is writing because he is saying God has a plan and a purpose and Jesus Christ is one. Let me show you through this apocalyptic writing about the church and about life. And about what is to come in some ways. How many of us know the Lord's Prayer? Don't raise your hand here, church. We don't want to lie, but no. Our Father, who art in... Thank you, some of you know it. <laughs> Hallowed be thy name. Thy... On earth, as it is in... I'm going to argue, before Jesus Christ came... Fulfilled the law by living it out. Went to the cross to satisfy justice and some things that had to be done. Rose again on the third day. Fifty days later, the Holy Spirit fell. In many ways, from a human perspective, God's kingdom could not come when Abraham was alive. God's kingdom could not come when Noah was alive. God's kingdom could not come when David was alive. That's what that, why that prayer is so important. When Jesus came and lived out the law and re-upped the law, which we studied, and Jesus told us not to objectify women. Men, stop. You made a vow. Stick with her. In my, in my marriage counseling, sometimes I do a little bit here and there. Sometimes the male will come and say, how do you deal with women? I go, I don't know. I knew I would be rich, but I know how to deal with one woman. It's going okay. But actually, there's four, there's two, and I got dark. But anyway, so. But, but my point, what, what we finally get to is, do you love her? Yeah, I love her. Is this relationship worth going the extra mile and sticking it out and doing the hard things? Yes. Jesus came and over and over in the New Testament in the, some of the writings we'll see in a sec. What did he call us, the church? Anybody remember? His bride. That's the only bride I like being called. It's part of his bride, right? He is the bridegroom. What Revelation gets us to, and we'll see in Revelation 21 in a minute, the culmination of God's work in 
the heavens and the earth, the culmination of God's kingdom building, which is being done here and now, will not be just a bloody debacle at the end, but it will be a wedding to celebrate the bridegroom and the bride. And that's what John gets to. I always got confused with thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does that ever confuse anybody? Because I look out, even in Christian churches, and sometimes it doesn't look like any kingdom's happening. Because much of our faith mirrors empire at times and not Jesus' kingdom. Remember what we learned about empire last week? What is an empire biblically? It's a group of people, usually in powerful places, who think it's their divine right and responsibility to impose their will by violence and force. Go read history and you go, that's not bad, the pastor said. Because you see empires rise and fall, and it's a group of people. I, the ladies got a little bit off the hook last week. It's usually men. Okay? Sometimes we've had some ladies throughout the ages, though. Strong women, I will say it that way. And they think it's their divine right to impose their divine will, even sovereign will, on a lot of people, and they get there by violence and domination. Jesus says, that's an affront to me because I'm the true king. I do have the divine right and responsibility to impose my will based on mercy and goodness on billions of people. But the difference between empire and empires in the way of Jesus is this. Does Jesus inflict his will by violence, coercion, or domination? No. He does it by the laying down of his own life. And he simply says, come and follow me. Live by faith. Turn away. Empire walked through the spot, right? Or the golden whatever, or the golden I'm in the trance. Jesus says, stop! Turn, look at me. Look at my goodness and my love and my sacrifice and my statutes which are good. Those of you looking at things on TV screens you shouldn't be all night. Stop! I'm better than that, he says. I died for that. Why didn't you keep doing that? And then we go, we're in trouble. I'm scared because most of the time when my parents found me in a bad situation, I got my PlayStation taken away, my cell phone taken away, it never happened yet, but maybe one day. My cell phone taken away, my allowance taken away. Ultimately, those are good things for their good, but Jesus says, turn, repent, and come back to your Father. See that my ways are good. See that I don't dominate and promote violence towards you. I lay down my life to free you from that urging to love violence and love domination. That's the world's history. And be a part of my kingdom, he says. I'm way off course now, so hopefully this is Holy Spirit derived, right? But that's the way of Jesus. That's the way of the church. The critique in the minor prophets, many of them too, in Daniel, oh, mostly Daniel, but other parts of the scriptures when the Jewish people were in captivity, Babylon or Assyrians were taking them over, the writers are always, don't, don't sell out the empire. Be faithful to Yahweh. For our church, for our church building, for our body, as we continue to walk in this way, it's the same encouragement to us. 
Be grateful for the Western Hemisphere. Amen? Be grateful for the many blessings we've received in our country. But don't sell your soul to that system. Because as we learned last week, what is the beast and the dragon and all this violent imagery attest to in the book of Revelation? The empires who conquer, who kill, who maim to satisfy their own appetite, which their end is what? Destruction. There's a song, I've been into the Hamilton soundtrack because I was a 14 year old. There's a song where King George steps out, the, the guy who plays King George, when you know, the American Revolution is going on. He wasn't very happy because most of his empire was starting to go like this. And Francis is kind of like, well, the Americans are getting crazy. Let's go crazy too, right? Let's take all these guys. And like, it is now, all that stuff came out, right? All this stuff. The time period at least. But King George even knew, the song says, empires rise and fall like the ocean. The temporary. And usually the empire's end is its own destruction. Jesus says, that's not my way. My end is this. The end of my way, my kingdom being built, and the culmination of my kingdom, Revelation 21, 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Dave, last week you said we can't take anything literally. No, but this is a metaphor of a picture of what's to come. Verse 2 in Revelation 21. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as the bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And hear this, those who are hurting. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. They are gone. What resulted from sin and rebellion? Death and pain and mourning, and anguish, and empire. And when I say empire, the way the system works, you guys know what I'm, I'm not saying the Roman Empire per se, but the way the system works. The empire system is, Debbie, you got what I want, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, goodbye. And then when Bill and Josh come, meet my 14 cousins, goodbye. And that's how empires start. Now in the civilized world, <coughs> the powers look different, right? Most of them are done with a lot of this now, keyboards and whatnot, right? But that's a whole other sermon that I'm not qualified to preach. The end of the Bible, we don't see merely a picture of heaven, but a picture of heaven coming to earth. That's the metaphor. We see a picture of a renewed heaven and earth. Because the old heaven and earth have been ripped apart by the things we just talked about. Sin and death. But glory be to Jesus who came to make a way to bring heaven to earth one day. And he started now. He says what? Pray this way. That's why these two, the whole Bible hinges on maybe the Lord's prayer in some ways. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And he's speaking in the present tense there. 
and ongoing in the language. So he is praying that that would happen. The kingdom. What does the kingdom look like? Someone ask. Ask. Oh, I'm glad someone asked. I preach too much, right? I need some water. I've got to answer a question or two. The kingdom looks like people now obeying the teachings of Jesus and emulating him through the word of God. No, not with his healings. I don't think, I don't think anybody's going to go out and kill somebody. Maybe. There's gift of healings. But hear me in this. Not merely the sensational. Laura, are you going to go walk on water at the pool later? Maybe. Probably not. But what I know God will have Laura do is treat people with dignity and kindness and respect. That's not lust enough for people. Remember, lust is not just sexual. It's dominating them. It's objectifying and dominating It can be done over many things, over many ways. Then he would say, Nancy, like all of us, there's some anger. Let's deal with our anger in Christ, right? Then he would say, Carol, just don't, don't have people question your anger. Just say yes or no. That's what the kingdom looks like. And they would say, Russ, brother, you got to forgive. I know it's, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've forgiven you. I'm, I'm God, Russ. I've forgiven you of everything. I'm asking you to walk in this forgiveness with me. That's what the kingdom looks like. And then he says, Jessica, I always use her for this one. Tell that Seahawk fan, you'll carry the backpack two miles. <laughs> and when they just go out to you, the Niners are terrible, you're horrible. You just go, bless you. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, we'll go even better. Dodgers, Dodgers are good now, so we can't say that word. But that's the way of the kingdom. And then other people will come along, apostles, and write other things, like the verse that's on our canvas that's gone in my office now to be protected. Be kind to one another. Be gentle to each other. Forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven who? Me or you. And that's the kingdom way. If you didn't see the parallel, Revelation 21.4, God is good, and He is kind, and He loves you. That's the motivation for wiping and caring and loving for you, child of God. But logically, when the new city comes, when we the bride meet that bride and we're worshiping forever, There will only be tears of joy if there's tears at all. There will be no more pain because of your actions or other people's actions. And God is doing this. And He's basically commissioned us through His Son, through this kingdom building, to start now. Get a head start. Timmy and others worked their tail off the last two weeks to get a head start on the tile that needs to come out, right? In the same way, the Lord tells us, get a head start. You can build the kingdom now. And this is the hard part, because we're so compartmentalized, at least I am. I think one way, and my wife says it's the wrong way. I get it, because it's the wrong way most of the time. That's how I think. I'm not trying to be a victim. It's just how I think. Where's my mom? She was half of it. That was your fault, Mom. No, I'm kidding. But the problem is... We think of building metaphor and building pictures just with physical things, right? How do I build a chair? I wouldn't know how that's someone smart, but you take the metal, you take the pattern, you take the screws, you do all the different things, and physically you put the chair together. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Every kingdom we've seen, Lord just got back from an awesome trip. How many castles did you see? Too many, right? They were built, right? And they were part of, we'll say families and maybe a kingdom, but, but they were built and they reached to the heavens and they're wonderful. And we human beings are so like Nicodemus, right? John chapter 3. How do I get born again? How do I go back into my mom? I want to see it physically and I want to touch it and do all these different things. But Jesus simply says, my kingdom is being built spiritually by spiritually redeemed people who are humans, who are still living in these fallen, broken bodies, but they're doing it with their lives. They're doing it with their obedience to my word. They're doing it with emulating and obeying what Jesus said the law was fulfilled as. And that is possible. What should a church building and a church family be? What do you guys think? Should be a hospital. That's a pretty good metaphor. We've heard that, right? A hospital. Who goes to the hospital? People who work there and sick people. Guess what? We're the people who work there in metaphor. We work here. What was our job uh, application look like? It simply says, I once was lost, now I'm found. I'm trying my best, even with my doubts, to obey Jesus Christ. I want to follow him. Hire. <laughs> okay. Come on in. And then the work begins. I read this from Stanley Hauerwas, big name. Um, his description of the church is, the local church, and I've used it a year ago, so if I remind you guys, is a suburb of heaven. Pretty good. He's really smart. Yale, Princeton, all these degrees. He thinks for a living. But the local church should look like a suburb of heaven, of that place where we long to be. It should be a place where people with their flaws and their foibles and even some of their doubts at times are longing to follow the way of Jesus not at the core of our being, the way of the world, the way of the empire. It should be a place where we, the people who are trying to work and live and worship and serve and do all these great things together, are saying no to sometimes the internal longings of sin and rebellion to say, I gotta get mine, I wanna dominate, even if it comes to brute force and violence. We say no, we lay that at the cross, we lay that at the foot of Jesus, and we are going to his way. That's the hard one. What does Jesus say if someone metaphorically hits you in the face? What are you going to do, Kevin? Is that all you got? Now, common sense preaching might say run away. But, but the point is, Jesus wouldn't say, go to your car and get your back, right? He would say, no. Heaven is coming to earth. Jesus Christ has won the battle, and in the right time, he will bring that new city, a city in which he and his, his people will reign forever, and we are privileged to be a local church in this time, and I believe he's calling us to live as exiles, to continue to, by faith, be this suburb, this oasis in this desert of humanity. Real quickly, just so you see it's a metaphor. Why would he say there's no more ocean and sea in that beautiful passage in Revelation 21? There's no more sea. Oh, it's heaven. But, okay. 
if you went on time to really unpack it, maybe in the new year, Revelation 13 is when these beasts show up in some way. All the ones that we like to have paintings of, right? All these crazy things. Does anybody remember where the beasts come from? Let's see. So what John, the revelator, I got it in, she was laughing at me, says, no more beasts in that city. No more monsters, per se. No more way of domination and violence and empire. Only the way of who in Revelation? The slain lamb. Is there anything more brilliant or even comical in the face of mighty armies than a little slain lamb who says, I've already won. I've sacrificed for these people. Away. Stop. So hopefully we'll get to more of that in the new year. Hopefully we are encouraged to be part of this bride. The bridegroom has purchased. Hopefully we get our spirits kind of motivated and energized to investigate on our own and as a body to be this maybe suburb of heaven, this new city full of life and forgiveness and grace and peace. Hopefully we um, teach the truth in love. Hopefully we walk with people and say, I know some of these things are hard. I'm with you. I'm for you. Hopefully forgiveness reigns the day. Hopefully we're quick to be reminded by the Spirit, by the Word in our prayer time. But for the grace of God, I might find myself in that situation. Discipleship is a word that's thrown around a lot. And I get why. My heart for our church is not to mirror an empire mentality in any way. Because sometimes that's where my heart is pointing towards. My heart for our church as we go forward is to be obedient and be mirroring the Jesus way. The way that he taught, fulfilled, died for, and was raised for. Matthew 24 and 25 kind of go along with these passages. We'll get there in the new year too. He really explains potentially what a suburb of heaven looks like in parables. And it's simply loving people, coming alongside people, thinking less of self and less of my own choices and rights per se, and emulating the kingdom and discipling people with words and with what? What does James say? Actions. Deb, change. Come on, Deb. <coughs> Sister, I'm with you. Let's do this together, right? Yeah? Empire, discipleship. Why don't we all pray? I'm going to pray for a minute about um, the pews as in the next few days. I'm sitting because if I can go to the house, awkward, but we'll sit here. It's a nice, it's a nice seat. Chairs are nice in here. If you remember to pray for uh, myself, and at least one other person or two to be yet named. We've got a couple options. Pray for us. Um, I think Pastor Jose, who is the pastor of the other church, will meet us in San Diego. That's the plan. He speaks fluent Spanish, which will be amazing. But pray that as we do the customs things, that God would truly give us favor and things would just, whoo, 
And uh, in light of our country and our world, and our world's countries and all things going on, um, driving 14 cues to Mexico is a bit corny, right? <laughs> so just pray for grace and favor, and uh, we'll report as much as we can through email and Facebook and different things, and we kind of venture into this journey together. Um, I think that's it as far as the trip. So let's pray. And uh, you'll be reminded more July 22nd. We need you here. There might be a good barbecue right there. Mikey, good barbecue right there. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this place. Thank you for the beauty and glory of your son and sending him here many years ago. Thank you for his teachings and his fulfillings and his death and his resurrection. And then thank you for uh, this news, this book of Revelation to show us and really encourage us that kingdom building can be started now. Help us to build your kingdom with our words with our attitudes, with our lives. Help us to truly be an outpost, a lighthouse, uh, even a suburb of the good things to come, the good things from you. And I do pray as we continue to go and move on with the sanctuary kind of uh, updating that you would show favor to us. Those of us driving down to the safety, may we be alert. We pray for the truck and other things mechanically that, that will go smooth. And as we go to the border on Wednesday around lunchtime, I pray that you would go before us, that you would create a way where things could be transferred smoothly for your glory, and that the pews that were here for a long, long time could be further used south of the border to be people there. And just We do pray for those churches, that you'll bless them even if they're meeting right now. Father, you're a good God. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your faithfulness. And as we go about this week, I pray that you'll bless and keep us, that your face would shine upon us, and that you would be gracious to us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.